0: This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy.
1: Hello and welcome to the single greatest weight loss podcast on the entire internet. Unfortunately, the hosts of the greatest weight loss podcast on the internet are nowhere to be found, so we're here instead. My name is Matt.
0: And I'm Courtney.
1: And we are hosts of not the greatest weight loss podcast on the internet, we're hosts of this one, but we'll do our best. (laughs) So, hope you're well. We are here this week, we're going to give you six ways to know you've got a great PT and Courtney has lost it already. We're 30 seconds in and you've lost it. I
0: just want to know how long it took you to come up with that intro. Were you thinking about it for a while? A month. You you you're just sitting on that one?
1: I wrote it out. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, actually. It we'll was spur of the moment. Um, It just it just rolls off the tongue. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Matt, and that laugh you you here is Courtney. So we want to give you six ways to know that you've got a fantastic PT. Because, well, let's look at it this way. Not many people can do this by themselves. No. That's just a fact. That's yes. just the way it is. Okay, yes. cool. So chances are... If you're listening to us, gas bag right now, you've either got yourself a trainer or you're thinking about getting yourself a trainer. Yes. And as Courtney and I know, and as you all know, there's a lot of personal trainers out there. And we're two of them. Yes. There's lots of them. There are. It's like a plague. Oh. They're they, growing on trees. They they're all mate, they fall out of the sky. <laughs> So we want to make sure that you're armed with the knowledge that you need to know what makes a great trainer and what separates the great from the good and the good from the less than good. Yes. So we're going to come at this from two perspectives. My perspective uh, from as me being a PT for quite a long time now, which in reality is not a long time. I'm approaching seven years, which isn't that long. But in the health and fitness industry, when the average PT career lasts six months, seven years is a long time. Yes. Courtney is going to come at this from the perspective of a client, because Courtney was a PT client for quite some time before she became a PT herself, and can bring that experience to the table that I can't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've worked out for a long time in commercial gyms as well. So not only have I been personally trained by personal trainers, including Matt, I've also seen and worked around other personal trainers in commercial gyms. So I think I can give that client perspective.
1: Yeah, and I'll give the trainer perspective and also give... A trainer of trainers perspective. Oh yeah, uh, because I do. I am very fortunate to work as a trainer and coach to PTs to help them improve, and it's a it's a wonderful job. It's not even a job. It's a it's a very well paid hobby. Um, I love working with these guys. Um, it's yeah. So I'll have the perspective of the trainer. Courtney has the perspective of a client. Yes. And let's get this show on the road. Number one. So the number one way. To know you've got a great PT is to look at the experience. By experience, I mean what are the runs on the board in terms of their client results. Mm. Or, now obviously when you've got a new trainer who's new to the industry, they can't have a portfolio of amazing client transformations. That's kind of unfair. But do they have their own?
0: Mm.
1: Do they have their own runs on the board that give an indication of, hey, okay, they've walked the walk?
0: Yeah, they've got to start somewhere. Yeah I think also when you say experience, Matt, I think a lot of people would automatically go to in their minds years of experience. Oh um, that's generally what people think about when you say experience. Okay, but I think what what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're talking about experience in terms of what can they show what what can they present to you? Yeah, yep. what what can they give to you?
1: Well, in terms of the runs on the board, so what, what are the results that have been obtained mm. through through their own experience in the gym, be it as a trainer or training themselves in the gym? I know for me, when I became a PT, I was, well, I'm not going to say fortunate or lucky because I made it happen, but I had my own transformation under my belt, which immediately gave some credibility. Yeah. Where, well, you look at it this way. How many people ask for qualifications no one cares the photos are the qualifications aren't they
0: well they are I've never asked for a PT's qualifications when I've asked them to train me
1: Nope. uh Courtney never asked for mine when when we first met uh when Courtney was my client I just showed her the photos and then laid out the yeah. process of how it was going to work and from what I, I'm sure Courtney can elaborate more on this one but her seeing the, the proof in the pudding and the runs on the board, I think would have added to the legitimacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I met Matt in my local commercial gym and we had a consultation after that because I was in desperate need of a trainer. I, well, you
1: wanted one as well.
0: Yes. Well, yes, that is very true. I did. I, I wanted to change, and I knew that I needed a trainer in order to make that happen, because I'm, I'm definitely not that person that can do it by myself. I think if you listen to any of our previous podcasts, you would know that I despise exercise. No. I know, Shark. So I definitely needed a trainer to help me uh, achieve what I wanted to achieve. When I first met Matt and first had a consultation with him, I never asked him what his qualifications were. I never even asked him how long he'd been a PT for. None of that even came into it. What I was mostly interested in because I was in that frame of mind where I knew I wanted to change was I just wanted to know what he could do for me and how it was going to work. So that was my whole mindset going into my first meeting with Matt and when I saw his before and after photos, I truly did not even think it was the same person. And as soon as I had seen those, that wasn't the reason I originally met with him, but it was one of the reasons definitely that I decided to work with him.
1: Yep. Courtney has absolutely nailed it. It, it does come down to when, when choosing a trainer, be it face-to-face or online, what can they do for me? Uh, a, I know for me, I do have quite a, a list of qualifications, technical qualifications, uh, as does Courtney now, but no one cares. No. It, it always comes back to what can you do for me? So when you're out there yourself looking for a trainer, have that, you've probably got that in your mind already. What can they do for me? The photos and the stories that go with the photos will basically tell you what they can or can't do for you.
0: Definitely. And I think looking back on it in our first meeting, Matt showed me a couple of clients' photos that before and after photos that he had already worked with, but he also showed me his own. And I think for trainers out there, I think Matt touched on it before where if they're just starting out, it's unfair to expect them to have these these uh, catalogue of client before and after no, photos. No, not going to happen. You, you've got to start somewhere like any job. But – if Matt had only shown me his own, and I know Matt's was a really big example and for a lot of trainers they probably won't have that big of an example of of a change, but if they could just show you their own change, whether it be small or, or big, I think that goes a long way.
1: Well progress is progress, isn't yeah. it? I mean I I do have a fairly a fairly substantial change to show, but that's because I was a gigantic fat, unhealthy balloon. Yes. So the starting point was was pretty out there, but that's not required. No. I mean it's good, but it's not it's not required. Any progress in terms of a trainer' saying and showing, hey, this is what I've done doing what I'm going to get you to do.
0: Yeah and I, I've seen I've seen trainers who have before and after photos that literally are just them they're, they're not in bad shape. But they tweak a couple of things in their nutrition and their and their training, and then they look even better. Well, they go
1: from good to great.
0: They go, go. You're right. They go from good to great. So that alone just, I think, goes to a lot of um, their experience. As we said, number one is experience, and I think it just goes to show what what they can do for you.
1: All right. So moving on. Uh, number two, the second way to know you've got a great PT is can they give you a guarantee? Can they look you straight in the eye with honesty and integrity and say, yep, you trust me, you follow my direction, this is going to work? Mm. It's For, for a, a new trainer, that can be a very scary thing to say, yeah. but you've, I think you've got to be able to back yourself. You've got to be able to have, I suppose, some, some internal courage and internal confidence where you know unquestionably, you don't think you can take someone through this process, you know you can. And I think being able to say to someone, hey, you do this, 100%, this will work. Mm. I do, I can't recall exactly, but knowing me as I do, I'm sure I would have said that to Courtney when we first met.
0: Yes, I do remember there was something along the lines of, if you do what I say, you will achieve this. Yep. Unquestionably. So that always makes you feel good, I think, as a client when you have a trainer who's got confidence in what they do, just like any other job. You know, you you go into somewhere and there's a service that you're asking for. And if the person who is going to be providing that service is confident about what they're doing, you feel a lot more comfortable with the whole situation.
1: Well, especially when you are investing time, effort and money. Especially in the case of time, because as we know, there's no refunds on time. No. If you've wasted it, you ain't getting it back and you well, ain't getting any younger.
0: Well, I sort of look at it as though you're building a house, you know, and then you're not going to, if you choose a builder to build your house, that is, you when you speak to them, they're not really confident in what they're saying.
1: I think the roof will stay on.
0: It's gonna it's gonna not exactly leave you in a really good frame of mind throughout the whole process. You're gonna be worried about it. You're not really gonna listen to him when he gives you advice. It's that sort of thing. Whereas if you choose a builder to build your house that he's really confident and says, Yes, go with this. This will work best. You know, they're really confident with the decisions that they're making. You're gonna be more inclined to listen to them, you're gonna take their advice and you're gonna really feel confident moving forward with them.
1: Well, especially when you consider That with this process of engaging a trainer and working with a trainer, it's not just an investment, it is a risk.
0: It is, yes. You're
1: you're betting on them being able to take you by the hand and take you through this journey. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the trainer is also betting on the client. Mm. But from the client perspective, they are betting that this person can do it. So you've got to make – obviously, you want to make sure that the person you're looking at sinking the time and money into – has the confidence because you can't expect you can't expect a client and you can't expect yourself to have the confidence to know, yep, yeah, this is going to work because most people, when they're first starting their journey, they can't see the end result no. and they shouldn't be expected to see the end result. The trainer can if they've been there and done it themselves or been there and done it with their own clients. So having that trainer that's got the confidence to say, yeah, bro, we got this, mm. that goes a long it way. It
0: might take this amount of time. Yep. But if you do what I ask of you and you stay the course, it will work.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: So I think that that sort of confidence really um, just proves that your trainer has confidence in what they're teaching. And I think once you're once you uh, once you're around someone that has that confidence in what they are delivering, you really trust that person. It's building that trust and that connection with that person. And
1: I think as well if they've got the confidence with what you are doing, it's easier for you to bounce back when you have the struggles.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Definitely. Because they're they're always going to come. But I think think the guarantee also falls into the experience part of it as well. Mm -hmm. So, well, if a trainer has done it themselves and they're asking you to do something they've already done and they've seen results in, well... They, they can then guarantee it and say this does work because they've done it themselves. Oh, lead
1: by example. Exactly. absolutely, Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right, so let's move on to number three. They sell you more than just a workout. So it's very easy to walk into any gym and find any trainer that you can throw 50 bucks at and they can put you through a fantastic workout. Mm. That's not too hard. In fact... You don't need a trainer to do that. <laughs> I would say for Courtney and I, all of our clients could put us through incredible workouts. But anyone that has done this for any length of time in terms of you know trying to get in shape, trying to lose a bit of weight, etc., will know there's more to it than just the exercise. Yes. A lot more to it. So to me, a, a third sign of a great PT is that they can give you more than just a workout. And by that, I mean, can they educate you on what you're eating mm. in terms of guiding you, coaching you up with your habits to make better choices, to change the habits that work against you away from the gym? Because I'm sure Courtney can back me up on this one. Turning up to the gym for a workout isn't the hard part. Well, it shouldn't be.
0: No, no, and even for someone like me who despises all forms of exercise, <laughs> I I I do honestly find the exercise the easier part of my routine. Mm. It is, as Matt said, the habits, the food, they are the really hard things.
1: Emotional eating.
0: Oh, absolutely. It goes mm. it goes in so many different areas that that is the really hardcore part of a transformation. So yeah, absolutely. If 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 you're gonna pay that money just to go to the gym and do a workout, well, you know, you can get that off
1: your mate can do that.
0: Yeah, you can you can get that off someone else, or really. YouTube. YouTube, that YouTube,
1: yeah. I think also when we're talking about uh, you know, just selling workouts, I wanna also talk about structure mm. in terms of being able to plan not just someone's workout or someone's week, but their whole program. So when when Courtney first started with myself, I know I had lined up for her her entire first 12 weeks. Yes. Um, In terms of, here's what we're going to be doing, here's how we're going to be doing it, here's why we're going to be doing it. Mm. I think a big part of, you know, selling someone more than just a workout is being able to teach them why they're doing what they're doing.
0: Absolutely. And I think that the really great thing when I first met Matt was, because when I first met Matt, he was very different to any personal trainer I had ever met before so I
1: was easily the best looking
0: when clearly but when I first met Matt when we sat down and we talked about what my goals were and what I wanted to achieve and we went through how he could help me was he didn't just tell me exactly what he had do this you need to do this this is the only thing that you you can have Matt had options so he had an a, a sort of Three different packages, if I could call it packages, would you say, Matt? It was like three different packages that you offered? Two. Two, that's right. And so it was based around the nutrition and the exercise. Both of them had the nutrition part in it if Mm. I remember correctly so that wasn't even an option not to address that it was you will be addressing this the only difference in the two options was the amount of times per week I saw him yep So whether it was I saw Matt three times a week or or I saw Matt twice a week. But the nutrition part of it, which was where we would obviously – he was going to educate me on nutrition and go through my habits of eating and things like this, that was in both packages. So it was not just – he didn't offer me a, oh, you can just do one workout a week package. No. Or you can just do two workouts a week package and you can come in and I can – train you for half an hour an hour and then you can go away and I'll see you in 7 days sort of thing no no talk about my habits no talk about the food I was eating anything like that so that was not an option that he even offered me which was very different to any trainer that I had dealt with in the past who did just offer one training session a week two training sessions a week three training sessions a week no even mention of a nutritional side of things or a habit side of things unless I unless you really requested it. And even then I found in the past trainers weren't really confident if I asked the question in what the answer was supposed to be.
1: Yeah, what you'll find is that when when clients go or potential clients go to trainers asking for for their help and to work with them, the I think the responsibility goes on the trainer to be able to turn around to the potential client and say, righto, if you're going to work with me, it's on my terms.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big thing these days.
1: I mean, there's obviously going to be some some give and take in terms of scheduling, etc. Mm. But in terms of how the program is structured, it's it's our responsibility as trainers to put clients in the position to succeed. Yeah. If they knew how to do that, they wouldn't come to us. Mm. That's the way that works. So the responsibility is on us to make sure that they're in the, in the position to succeed and that we we guide them through that because in the end when it comes to clients and trainers the the client result is the trainer result
0: mm. for
1: better or for worse so it's it's like any form of coaching for any sport or any athletic pursuit they need to be in a position to win mm. so I know for me as a trainer if I've if I ever offered clients, workouts only, I'm not offering them the best position to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Which to me is doing people – I think it's doing people a disservice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that was the big difference when I first met Matt, what I saw.
1: And then when you spin that forward in terms of, say, you know you signed up with a trainer, you're going to start with them next week, <laughs> that, uh, that trainer needs to have structure for what you are going to be doing. So, to me, a very easy giveaway in terms of the structural side of things is if you rock up to your training session with your PT and on the spot, they're like, oh, yeah, today we'll do this and today we'll do that uh, and, oh, yep, the leg press is being used, so we'll do this instead. There's no structure in that.
0: No.
1: So, how can you, how can you measure progress if there's no structure behind it? Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. So, to me, when there's a when there's a lack of structure, you aren't you aren't going to be really making much progress because, well, how do you know what you're doing? And that leads into point number four: every training session needs to be recorded.
0: Yeah, this is a huge one.
1: And I don't mean video recorded or audio recorded. I'm talking about the data needs to be collected.
0: Yeah, this is this is a huge one for me because I did not even think about this until I first met Matt. I as I said, had been over the years member of a commercial gym or two for many, many years, going back to when I was a teenager. So I'd been around gyms. I had seen personal trainers walking around the gyms with their clients and, you know, when you're walking on the treadmill because at that point in my life I was not doing anything strenuous. So when you're walking on the treadmill, you have time to look around and observe what was going on in the gym. You people know, you, watch. You do, and I do when I'm in gyms. I do. I do watch people and what they're doing. So I would see often personal trainers walking around the gyms with their clients having a chat. They've got nothing in their hand whatsoever. So they literally are just going from, from exercise machine to exercise machine, nothing in their hands, maybe other than a drink bottle they might be carrying around their own drink bottle. That's about it. And I still see that these days when now Matt and I are still members of a commercial gym because we've spoken in the past about how we, we enjoy working out in a commercial gym. We like to be around that sort of environment rather than working out by ourselves. We've got
1: cabin fever in our own gym. Yes.
0: So, and I still see it now. And that was one of the big things that I learned when I first met Matt because it was not something in the past I had seen as an issue. Until you sort of really look at it when someone explains to you, and it seems common sense, but you don't think of it until someone explains to you and they say, oh, but what happens if you don't remember what they did last week? And you think, oh. Yeah. What do they do if they don't remember what they did last week? Well
1: you're screwed. You guess. And yes. the moment you start guessing, uh, you take you take the precision out of the process. So whether you whether a trainer's got one client or twenty clients, especially when you start having where people are doing fractional numbers, yeah. so they might be bench pressing eighty point two five kilograms. Do you think you're gonna remember for all your clients the 0.25?
0: No. I, I won't even remember the eighty. <laughs> Seriously though, if you're if you're if you're working with a client and you're talking to them and you're doing exercise A, B, C, D, they might be on leg day, then you're training a client who's got upper body day. And then you're working with that person on upper body day, and then your next client's on leg day, and then the next client after that's on leg day and then you don't see those clients for another three or four days, there's no way you would remember what they're doing. Well,
1: you also won't see them for that workout for probably a week. Yeah. So I've always operated under the idea of you don't have to remember a thing if you write it down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But
1: then that also allows you to properly progress someone. Mm. Because I know for me, when I will write up a client's program for 12 weeks, Nine times out of ten, they're going to be doing the same exercises because, you know, mixing it up for the sake of variety can often backfire because you run out of exercises eventually. But we know when it comes to weight training in the gym, there are certain exercises that just flat out are better than others. Yes. So we're going to be focusing on these specific key lifts so where is the variety going to come from? The variety is going to come from the weights going up as someone gets stronger. But to be able to really progress someone's strength, you have to know what they've been doing in the past, even the past week, the past two weeks, the past month. Mm. So, so they can walk into the gym with their client and go, righto, last week you squatted X. Cool. I put a note in there saying, let's go up next week. So this week we're going to warm up and then squat Y. And why might be just a little bit heavier than what it was last week, and the client does that, and that's progress. That's recorded, and away you go. Uh, Courtney has every workout she's ever done in terms of weights recorded since she first started. Yep. So that's now uh, four four years. four years worth of data mm. that shows the strength improvements. Mm. I know for me, I've recorded all my workouts since two thousand and ten and I can see that I've almost quadrupled my deadlift. Yeah. In that time because I've been recording it, progressing it, and know exactly where I am versus where I started. So the the importance of the trainer recording the information can't be understated. Without no. it without it you're guessing and when you're guessing, well, I mean, you're sort of leaving the results to chance, aren't you?
0: I think I think it's one of the main things that annoys me now when I'm really? in the gym and I see personal trainers and I think you will go back into your gym, whether you're a member of a commercial gym or not. And I think that you will now start looking around that Matt and I have discussed this because again, I didn't notice it and back in the day until Matt pointed it out to me so now that we've discussed it, I think you'll go back into your gym and then you'll start to look around and you'll start to notice.
1: Who's recording? How
0: many trainers do not record? I think in the commercial gym that Matt and I current, currently go to, I think I have ever only seen one personal trainer recording their client's weights.
1: Well, that's more one more than I have.
0: I've, I've seen it once. Okay. And you're talking about a gym with thousands of members and a good, what? How many PTs in that gym? Ten? Lots. Fifteen? Yep. Anyway. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot anyway. And I've seen one write, write it down once. So it's, uh, yeah, it's astounding. I think you'll really notice it now. And I think Matt hit the nail on the head when he de- described why that is so important. And again, I I think now looking back on it, you just think, oh, well, that's just common sense. Why don't they do it? I have no idea why they don't do it. Good question. I have absolutely no idea. I think that sometimes now when I'm in the commercial gym that we currently go to and I don't see them writing it down. And it just makes zero sense to me I think, why you wouldn't do it.
1: I think it might be a bit of laziness personally. I know for me, I was taught to record all the information in my basic certifications. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the basic stuff where it's like, hey, you've got to record this stuff.
0: I don't know whether they just – it's lazy or they think that – it's uncool to write it down. Uncool? <laughs> or, or they're smart enough to remember or oh, I don't please. know. Anyway, it's just silly. So I don't,
1: I don't care how smart you are. No one's memory is flawless. That is
0: one of the biggest things for me. Number four is recording each exercise no, you, workout. No
1: matter how good you are, you can't remember everything. Nah, no way. Trust me on that one. So I've tried. That number five. Number five, you get what you pay for. Yes. Now, I know for me... As a trainer, if anyone, if any potential client comes to me and they start start trying to haggle on price, I'm not going to work with them. No. Not at all. Because I know I do believe firmly in life, 99 times out of a hundred, you get what you pay for. Mm. And in the case of a PT, a PT should charge what they believe they are worth. Mm. Because when you think about it. What is a trainer charging for? Their time. Not just their expertise and their knowledge and their support, but their time. Because that's mm. time when once it's used, it ain't coming back. It's very, Everyone's time is limited. Yes. Especially the trainer. So to me, if you're looking to work with a trainer and you think to yourself, oh, they're cheap, that could be a sign of a lack of confidence which to me is a red flag. Now not every trainer needs to charge out through the nose and rip people off blind. No. But they need but put it this way, to me, if a trainer is charging less than say $50 an hour for their time, I start to wonder.
0: Absolutely. And I think any excuse me, sorry, any good trainer who is charging a certain amount of money should be able to then justify why they're charging that x amount of money yep. so i know when i first met matt again i he gave me those two packages to choose from it was either you know two or three. A, a or b and I had to choose from one of those. They did slightly different price because obviously one had two training sessions a week with Matt and one had three. Or more time. So it was more time, a little bit of extra money for option B. So th- those two packages, though, were the most money I would have ever spent in my life on a personal trainer. I have, in the past, had a personal trainer that would charge me $30 a session, $25 a session, these sort of things. You know, if you bring a friend it'll cost you $20 a session or, you know, that sort of mentality. And then when I met Matt, it was more money than I would have ever outlaid on a personal trainer and more money than I had gone into that meeting with Matt thinking that I was going to outlay on a personal trainer. Really? Yeah. but I did not know that. Because of the meeting I had with Matt, And again, then you're you're wrapping up a lot of these other things we've just spoken about. It was the confidence in what he was saying. It was the experience he was able to show me that he's done, he's made, not only with himself but with others. It was just the general confidence and the ability to say, this is what you get for this price made me confident in spending the money.
1: I think it's also a case of understanding as a trainer talking to a potential client, you need to be able to say to someone, I'm selling you the outcome. Mm. You're investing in the outcome. So the saying I use all the time is people don't buy six inch drill bits. They buy six inch holes. Mm. So any client or potential client looking for a personal trainer They're not looking to sign up for personal training. They're not looking to sign up for weights or nutrition or cardio. They're looking to sign up for an outcome they can't get by themselves. Yes. And the moment someone feels that they're talking to someone that can get them that outcome, all of a sudden, things are worth paying for.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially
1: when you consider how many people have spent how much money on gym memberships,
0: mm.
1: questionable PTs, diets, books. Mm. its People have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, especially when you've got the people that have unfortunately been going around in circles for years and years, if not decades. Mm. I often will ask people when I first meet them for a consultation, how much money do they think they've spent to that point on gyms, PTs, and diets. And we're talking tens of thousands of dollars.
0: Mm, absolutely.
1: So if if you've got a trainer that is charging, let's call it a premium price, but you firmly believe that they are going to get you what you can't get by yourself, it's worth every cent. Mm. Because the idea then should be, once you've done that, you won't need another trainer again because you've got all the tools to keep what you've got. Exactly. And I think what goes along with that, of a a trainer that charges what they think they're worth, they're not afraid to say no.
0: Absolutely. And I think you'll find a lot of the time with the trainers that charge you under sort of that $50 a session mark, they will not come with anything other than just that workout session. So there'll be no support. There'll be no... um, Nutritional education. There'll be no looking at your habits. There'll be nothing else that comes with it. It's literally just someone to hold your hand walking through the gym.
1: Yeah, well, for me as well, part of part of the prices I've always, well, I've been charging people for a long time, has been because I'm investing myself in them as well. Mm-hmm. And I said earlier in this in this show that the client bets on the trainer, but the trainer bets on the client. So, from my perspective, and it's been this way for a long time, if I'm if I take on a client, I'm betting on them to get the result they want as well, because that is a positive for me as a professional. Absolutely. If a client doesn't get what they what they've what they say they want to get, we've wasted time, and there's time that could have been spent with someone that wanted it. Absolutely. You know. So let's move on to the sixth and final. Sign that you've got a great PT, easy. You like them and you trust them.
0: Yeah, I think this is such a huge one. This is by far my other favorite uh, sign uh, that goes along with logging your workouts, which is trust. And I think that you probably are listening to this thinking, uh, you, that you've definitely worked with trainers in the past where you haven't really trusted what they're saying and then you might be thinking, yep, I, I have a trainer right now who I definitely trust with everything that they say and I believe them and I do what they tell me to do. And it's working. And it's and you will generally find as a result it is working. And I think that with trust it has got a lot to do with, I mentioned it a couple of times, with confidence in what, what your trainer is asking you to do. And that was a massive one for me. I know as a client that I could go to my trainer knowing that they understood what I was saying, they understood my fears or my anxiety around something or my emotion around something, good or bad, and they, they there was no judgment there. There was just understanding and help. Mm. And I think that that goes a, a massive massive long way to build that trust with someone also just general confidence like if i was going to a trainer who i asked a question and i could tell they didn't know the answer and i don't mind that so much because you can't expect everybody to know everything about everything all the time Mm. so i don't mind if i ask a question and the trainer doesn't know the answer. But if the trainer then tries to make up an answer, because you know if someone's making up an answer, really, or if I'm not confident with the the response they're giving me, it's just starting to give me that feeling like, well, I might not ask them another question because I don't now know if I trust their response. So it just starts to eat away at that confidence that you have in your trainer. And I think if you don't trust your trainer – then you're not going to listen to them. You're not going to go to them when you're having hard times and you're generally just going to start skipping workouts. You're going to start skipping sessions and then to the point where you just slowly fade out and then you just stop working with them and you give up.
1: I think as well, just sort of adding to to this topic of, of trust and rapport, obviously when, when you're looking for a trainer, you're not looking to buy a friend, but you do need to click with them.
0: That's a really good way to put it, actually. You do
1: need to click because it's got to go both ways. I know I won't ever work with someone that rubs me the wrong way. Yes. I don't care about the money. If they rub me the wrong way, it ain't going to happen. No. And I think that it needs to go both ways. You need to be able to click with them and their personality because we're all different. We're all, all people, we're all oh, different. Absolutely. Um, so you've got to be able to have that rapport and trust. And obviously that does take time to develop, but you know... When you meet with someone, you you have an idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You feel it. You feel it. And I know that that's happened in our gym with Matt and I. There's certain people in our gym that will come to me a little bit more with questions and there's certain people that will go to Matt a little bit more with questions. And that's fine. Matt and I don't take offense to that in the slightest. No. It's just whoever that particular person feels more comfortable going to. And that's fine. At at the end of the day, as long as they get the result that they want, then it really doesn't matter to us who they put it down to, whether they put it down to Matt or myself. And I think that that's definitely so true that you definitely have to click with the person. I know that this is a really long, hard process. As, As clients, we... I can see this, you can see this as a client. It's a really long, hard process. You know that this is going to be long. You know deep down this is going to be hard and it's not going to be perfect. And if you don't have that person that you know is going to be in your corner that you can go to, that you can rely on, then it's just making a really hard, long process almost impossible. Mm. So you've really got to pick the person and, and and that's happened to me in the gym as well as a, as a trainer. I've met with, with potential clients who have come in to meet with me to talk about coming to the gym and they've gone away and I've never heard from them again. And you know what? That's fine. I don't take it personally. I don't mind because that person obviously either wasn't ready to change or just personally didn't connect with me and that's okay. I wouldn't want to train with someone who I didn't get along with, who nah. I didn't at least be able to have a good conversation and i think matt hit the nail on the head as well when he said you're not buying a friend and that's completely true I, I do consider all of the my clients in the gym friends however you have to be able as a trainer to be able to turn around to that person and say listen we need to have a hard conversation here so mm. it's not you're not coming to the gym for just a catch up with a friend I would consider you a friend, but at the same time,
1: you're here to get a result.
0: At the same time, sometimes you need to have hard conversations, and I think if you're if if you've got a, a trainer who is too much your friend, then they maybe sometimes aren't inclined to have those hard conversations with you when it's necessary.
1: Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So that's uh, that is that. Hopefully, that has shed some light and has helped a little bit. Let's now move on, Courtney. To emails. Oh,
0: it's email time. It's email
1: time. Uh, Courtney, I'll let you take this one.
0: Oh, I hate reading out the emails. I always stuff it up.
1: That's why I'm letting you <laughs> take this one, because this could be comical.
0: Oh, stop. Bear with me. I'll, I'll read this out. This is actually for Matt, this email, and it's been uh, sent in by Karen. Hello. So thanks for sending in your email, Karen. Hi, Matt and Courtney. I was just listening to your podcast on emotional eating, episode number three. I just wanted to say, Matt, thank you. I have never met or talked or heard anyone say they had an emotional issue similar to me until I heard your podcast. I I, I only emotionally eat when I'm happy or celebrating. It's really tough one... When I've been struggling with. If I'm really stressed or worried or had a bad day, I don't eat at all. I find it really hard to find a balance where I eat the right amount. And like you, Matt, it's also both sweet and savoury. Doesn't really matter which, I like both. But it's also not healthy food that I'm reaching for. It's always bad food. I'm not sure how to combat this because I'm losing the weight and feeling better about myself. I'm becoming happy. When I eat more of the wrong foods, just thought I would share this. This is why I don't read out the emails, people, because it takes me a really long time because I hate reading out loud.
1: You killed that.
0: Oh, it's bad. Anyway. Said no one ever. Go on.
1: Well, thank you, Karen. Don't be
0: a pain. Just uh, to answer Karen's email. We'll do please. it.
1: Thank you, Karen. Appreciate that. Uh, so basically, you, on a bad day, are going to not eat. And on a good day, you are going to celebration eat. So basically, pick your poison. Yeah. You're you're still sabotaging in both directions. Um, it is... it is. I know for me, I, I can't go a day without eating. So the 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 negative experience of not eating I can't relate to, but the obviously the the celebratory eating I can relate to, what helps me with that is also asking myself, have I reached my goals? Because there's a difference, I think, between making progress and reaching your goals. Because the answer to me, if I've reached my goals, is no. No, I have not. Am I making progress? Yes, I am. But until I've got where I, where I've got where I want to get to, why would I t- want to take the foot off the pedal? Hmm. You know, um, so I would say for yourself, Karen, just look at what you're working towards. Think about the reason why. Have you got there yet? Have you got there yet? And if not, have a think before you start having all those celebration meals. Now, I I'll be the first person to say I'm not a fan of dieting. No. I'm not a fan of the all-or-nothing approach. I'm not a fan of feeling you need to be 100% perfect. That is what I would call technically a load of shit. So to me, I think part of a sustainable process is that you should be able to have the occasional treat because after all, we are human and we do want to have moments with friends, family, loved ones, etc., where we might... Um, you know, enjoy something a bit uh, a bit naughty mm. and that's fine. But to me, I think there needs to be for all of us, there needs to be boundaries set. Absolutely. That we need to work within. And like I said before, it's it's worth just asking yourself, have I reached my goal? Because I bet the answer is no, because it is for most people. And until the answer is yes, well, even then, I mean, you don't want to undo what you've done. But if you haven't reached your goal, that's where I think, for me, curbing my celebration eating has become a lot easier because I'm still working towards something. Mm. I think for a lot of people, and I know this is the case for myself, well, I know I'm always at my best when I'm climbing the mountain. I'm not at my best at the top of the mountain.
0: Mm.
1: So everything I need to be doing has to be me mentally feeling like I'm still climbing up the mountain because that brings out the best in me.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mentally the idea of sitting at the top of the mountain enjoying the view is the easiest way to put your feet up. <laughs> and then and that's when the dreaded complacency comes into things. Courtney, thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head that to really look at your look at your goals, Karen, but also look at look at the habits that you've formed here. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, what you've just described is is it all comes down to, to habits. So you've just developed that habit over time, and I bet that often you do it unconsciously because it has become just part of your life. So I think that addressing the habit at the core issue of that habit is also really important.
1: And it goes the other way as well, where if you have a, a bad day or you're stressed about something and you eat nothing, that's just as damaging.
0: Absolutely, and again, another habit. And it is a I, habit. And, I, and again, I bet you do it a lot of the time without realizing it. You got you'll you'll look at the clock and realize that you haven't eaten anything all day, and and the time just seems to have gone by so fast. So it's it's a lot of the time it's unconscious. So I definitely wouldn't beat yourself up about it, because you can't beat yourself up about something that you're. You've developed as a habit over a long time, mm. and that most of the time you're doing unconsciously. But I think that the only time you can really beat yourself up if you don't do something to try to fix it.
1: I would look at look at the cue in this case, definitely, in terms of habits. So if you're having a a bad day or you're stressed, think, okay, this is not good. What am I doing here?
0: Yeah, you've got it. You've got to change something within that habit because that habit's working automatically and you've got to put something in that day to make it stop going on autopilot and to make yourself think about it. So mm-hmm. whether you've got to develop that yourself, you, we can't develop that for you. You've <laughs> got to really think about that and yep. think about what what sort of roadblock can you put in that, in that cycle to make yourself stop and think and try to work on that one step at a time to change it. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but yeah, I definitely... Uh, I agree with Matt in terms of making sure you keep your goals in mind, but also really looking at um, small steps that you can take to try to change those habits.
1: And identifying environmental issues, like what's happening or where are you when the stresses occur? Mm. Because often they will come from similar sources or repeated sources, such as work, relationships. Yes. I mean, I know Courtney's a constant stress for me. <laughs> constantly gives me just just bad days. Sorry.
0: That's okay. Not sorry. I still don't care. No,
1: but <laughs> very good. Zing. But yeah, Karen, just have a look at the, environment, the environmental things in terms of the, the location, the people, the situations. And when they come up, which they will because they always do, start to think, okay, what am I doing here? What can I do differently to start to break this habit?
0: Correct, yeah. So
1: hopefully that has helped. Hopefully this whole episode has helped. If not, bad luck.
0: (laughs) We've recorded it anyway, and we will do better next week.
1: (laughs) You're you're at the end of the episode, so you've got this way with us. But, uh, yep, as always, we'll try and do better next time. So on that note, we are going to call it a show and sign off.
0: You can email us at podcast at com. Please email us any questions that you'd like us to answer Or if you have any topics you would like us to do a podcast on, please feel free to send those through as well.
1: Yes. Well done, Courtney. I almost forgot that email address. That's a repeat now. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com.
0: You can can also find us on Facebook.
1: Yes, you can. We would love to hear from you. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Have a good one and speak to you soon. Bye.
0: Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.